0: In another video, he expressed that, the uncertain, that he is uncertain but hopeful of God healing him of his disease. As the uncertainty continues to rest in his heart, he understands that his wife may soon be a widow and his daughter may be fatherless. Nabil's current circumstances strike me to the core. Nabil and I are close in age. He's only three years older than I am. His bout with cancer is a reminder to me knowing that life is short. Moreover, His life is a perfect example to us. It highlights the possibility that God may or may not answer Nabil's prayer. Nabil may not be healed. I'm sure that Nabil is not the only person who feels that God may not answer their prayers. We are all like Nabil. We wrestle with uncertainty and along with hope in our prayer life. It is true to say that my prayers and the prayers of many other Christians may go unanswered in our lifetime. In other words, the people you pray for may never be answered by God. Knowing this reality should cause you to question God. Ask God, why does he answer some prayers and not all? In scripture we see people wrestle with the same type of question. Like, for example, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15, when you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you, even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 13, I called, and they would not hear. So they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. Micah, chapter 3, verse 4. Then they will cry to the Lord, but he will not answer them. He will hide his face from them at that time because they have made their deeds evil. When we ask ourselves, why God allows people some answer I mean some prayers to go unanswered and other prayers to be answered there are four categor, categorical reasons for this question why some prayers are answered and not all prayers are not answered the first reason is Because of sin. The second reason is due to faithlessness. The third reason is due to worldly pleasure. The fourth reason is due to the sovereignty of God. Let's answer this, or let's deal with the first reason, unanswered prayer, because of sinfulness. Now, I don't want no one to be confused with this first categorical reason. So allow me to say it is true that God will answer one's prayers despite someone's sin. This is clear in scripture. It is correct biblical teaching. For example, in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 through 10, God answered the prayers of Nineveh. Nineveh was was one of the most cruel nations in the world. When Jonah preached the gospel to Nineveh, they repented and prayed to God that they may be spared from God's wrath, and that their city would not be up for destruction. Another example would be God's chosen people, Israel. In the book of Jud- Judges, Israel repetitively just sin against God's over and over and over and over again. Then they will repent and God would answer their prayers. So God hears the prayers of sinners. You and I are sinners. I believe God will not answer the prayers of sinners if their hearts are not seeking after God after him. It is more likely to give uh, he is more likely to give them over to a reprobate mind if their heart is not seeking after his ways, his standards, his holiness. So Romans chapter 1 verse 21 4 says that is that their sin until they their sin, until they come to a repentance, God will hand them over. It's as if he is removing his hand from their lives and giving them to their own sinful ways. Therefore, a person who habitually sin without feeling remorseful will not hear from God nor will God answer that person I mean that person's sin I mean, um, prayers and it's not that God does not want to speak to the individual but if that person sin because of that person's sin it disrupts the communication between God and that individual A sinner who habitually sinned have no desire to surrender to God. He or she rejects God as Lord in their life and God would not answer their prayers because that person desire their sin more than God. That person's lifestyle is contrary to the will of God and against the Spirit of Christ. therefore, Sin hinders prayers. I think Saul, the first king of Israel, is a good illustration of this point. Saul was a rashful and impatient person. He allowed the opinions of others to dictate his actions. Hence, The opinions of others overshadow the opinion of God. Again, God anointed Saul to be king over Israel, but when Saul disobeyed God, Saul's kingship was taken from him and handed over to David. This was all because of Saul's sinful disobedience towards God. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 9 through 14, it's the story of Saul, first sinful act against God. Saul made an unlawful sacrifice. For those who don't know what a sacrifice is in biblical times, it is that you take a lamb, you sacrifice it, and offer it to God for the atonement of the people. But that wasn't Saul's position. Saul's sacrifice was a violation against the Levitical law. Only priests were allowed to sacrifice to God, not kings. Here is another example. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Saul failed to follow God's instructions by not destroying the Amalekites and and possess and destroy all that they possessed. God told him to kill all the Amalekites which included women, children, and animals. Everything. Wipe out the entire city. But Saul didn't. He allowed the Amalekite king to live, and he kept the finest, uh, the finest animals that they had for himself and for his men. So Samuel came to question Saul. He asked Saul, why did you not kill the Amalekite king and all the animals? You can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24 and 27. We can pick it up from there. Saul responded to Samuel saying when he acknowledged that he disobeyed God's commandments, his instructions. This is what Saul said to Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24 through 27. I have sinned. For I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I fear the people and obey their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may worship the Lord. This is what Samuel said. For you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Just like that. He is no longer a king. Or he's, his, king, his kingdom was not, well, yeah, wasn't going to be a forever lasting kingdom like David's. Let's continue with, to survey Saul's life. Turn to 1st Samuel chapter 28, verse 3 through 6. 1st Samuel chapter 28, verse 3 through 6. And we're going to jump over to uh, verses 14, I believe. It says in 3... Starting in verse 3. This is after Samuel had died, and Saul was seeking advice from Samuel and from, from God himself. But notice what happened. Starting in verse 3. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him, and Rema, his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the necromancer out of the land, the Philistines assembled, and came in the camp in Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the enemy of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Why is that? Then Saul said to his servant, "Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to inquire, go to her, inquire of her." And his servant said to him, "Behold, there is a medium in Edor." Now jump over to verses 11 through 19. So he met the woman, starting in verse 11. Then the woman said to, "Whom shall I bring up for you?" He said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe, and Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Let's continue. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me, bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me, and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then do you ask me? Since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy, the Lord has done to you as he has spoken to by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given to your neighbor David because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek Therefore the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord would give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord would give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. That's why? Why is that? This is because of Saul's sin, that God did not answer him. Not only that, Saul went even further with this sin to go to a necromancer or a medium. In our time, that would be a modern-day fortune-teller. This is what Leviticus chapter 20, verse 6 says. If a person turns to mediums or necromancers, whoring after the after them I would set my face against that person and I would cut him off from among his people. Necromancers and mediums were not were people who sought after spirits of the dead as that person did for Saul to bring up Samuel. But Saul wanted to know what was going to happen. He wanted to find out what was going to be the end of his kingdom and his life. Samuel told what Saul was going to do. And it's very interesting in 1 Chronicles uh, 10, verses 13 through 14. It tells us that it was ultimately God who put Saul to death. And I find that very interesting, because we know that Saul died by the hands of the Philistines. But ultimately it was the cause it was caused by God, according to First Chronicles, chapter 10, verse 13 to 14. This is not true for ourselves. Will God answer our prayers if we habitually sin against him? We know that he chastised those whom he loved. He correct those. This is true according to James chapter 5 verse 15. Turn to James 5 verse 15. I think the same principle lies here. Here is a person coming to the elders asking for it a, to be healed. But notice the correlation between the prayer itself and the person well, the, um, the instruction for the person to, to confess his sins. It says, and the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven. Therefore, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. So we know that God is slow to answer our prayers if we're sinning against him. Now we see a correlation between prayer and sin itself. Of how a person who is in sin, their healing would not come. Let's continue. And as a footnote, husbands, I, I do this all the time, and I ask God repeatedly to forgive me because I'm not the perfect husband at all. I think this goes for wives as well. But this is what first Peter chapter three, verse seven says. Likewise, husband, live with your wives in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. So, husband, if you are been overbearing and considerate, not loving towards your wife, you... Are in <laughs> grave trouble. Amen? You're not asleep, are you? <laughs> Let's continue. The second categorical reason unanswered prayers because of lack of faith. We know what faith does according to Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of the things not seen. Therefore, faithlessness usurp all that is. In other words, if there is faithlessness in your heart towards God, he would not answer your prayers. Faithlessness rejects the attributes of God. It rejects the ideal that God exists. It rejects God as being God. Your faithlessness will hinder any miracle that God desires to perform in your life, according to Scripture. So, like, for example, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God will, must believe that he is this and that he reward those who seek him. Do you remember the story when Israel was crossing over to the promised land? And Moses sent out spies. And when the spies came back, they gave a report. The older generation said, "We cannot defeat them. They are the sons of Anak, or Nephilims. They were giants of the land, and we are grasshoppers to them." But Caleb, Joshua, they gave a good report, saying, "We can." Do not sin against God in this manner because Caleb and Joshua, they had more faith. And God responded to them by saying to the older generation, you will not see the promised land. But Joshua and everybody at a certain age will. Look at James chapter 1, verse 6 through 8. James chapter 1 verse 6 says this. But let him ask in what? Faith. With no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. So in your prayer life, it should be a given that what you're asking for from God must be accompanied with your faith. He knows how much faith we have. I understand if we doubt, that's perfectly, well, not necessarily perfectly normal, but it's a part of our natural selves. But listen to what the man said when Jesus came to him. Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Here's another reason that your prayers may not be answered. Because of worldly pleasures. Because of worldly pleasures. Many people have Prayed to God by asking him to give them a car, a house, success, properties, give me a wife or a husband. And I know we do that all the time. But the difference would be the intent of your prayer. Is your prayer coming from a worldly perspective? knowing that if you ask God as if he's some type of genie to grant you all of your three wishes, this begs the question, is your prayer life have the right priorities? Are you asking God for something that you desire because of your own selfishness, or is it because you desire it because he wanted for you? We hear this all the time, right? Many professing pastors teach the health and wealth prosperity gospel. You know, this is a false gospel. No, not, nothing too much to be said about that. But More importantly, we know for those who desire these earthly things are more in love with the world than with God. They can care less about God as long as they can get what they want out of him. This is what John said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, and the desires of the eyes, and the pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but from the world. And the world is passing away alone with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Again, this is what James said. James chapter 4, verse 3. You covet and cannot attain you, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask And do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. What are your priorities in your prayer life? If God, supposedly speaking, if God was a genie, and he came to you by you rubbing his magic lamp, and come out of the lamp, and say, I would grant you three wishes, what would it be? What would those three wishes be? Lastly, look at here, we're almost on time. (laughs) (laughs) Lastly, Another reason that God would not answer your prayers is due to the sovereignty of God because of his own mission, because of his own will. We know this to be true. We uh, we read in scripture, for example, when Paul prayed about his healing to remove that thorn from his flesh, this is what Paul said. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it, should be, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of the weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul understood it. Paul's prayer wasn't answered why? It's because of the sovereignty of God. God overlooked Paul's prayer because God knew what was more important for Paul than Paul did. Right, for example, another we find this principle in Isaiah chapter 38. Turn there very quickly. Isaiah chapter 38. Starting in verses 1 through 6. This is the story about Hezekiah. Isaiah chapter 38, verse starting in verse 1, says, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death, and Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord... Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, "Please, O Lord, remember how I walk have walked before you, and faithfulness, and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight." And Hezekiah, well. Literally. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. This is interesting. The sovereignty of God declared that Hezekiah was going to die. And that is true. And again, the sovereignty of God declared that Hezekiah was going to live for an additional 15 years. Both wills were true. It is just what God desired. Imagine, what if Hezekiah would have never prayed? God's First will for Hezekiah's life would have played out. So we can understand the story. Isaiah is in the king's house. He went there and said, set your house in order. Hezekiah, you're about to die. This is declared by the Lord. Before Isaiah even left the house, Hezekiah prayed. And God heard Hezekiah's prayer. there's another plan for Hezekiah's life. We can apply this to our lives. We know that Pastor Gus' brother, Richard, passed recently, not too long ago. I'm sure they have prayed for his life to be, uh, for uh, Richard's life, that he may be healed. What are you praying for? I know you may think it's unfair that your prayers may go unanswered. Like me, you may feel frustrated at times at God, that he would not listen to your prayers. Allow this to be a reminder for you as I remind myself my unanswered prayers and your unanswered prayers is in comparison to the Lord Jesus Christ prayer that he prayed in Gethsemane. Nothing can compare to that particular prayer. It's incomparable. Throughout Jesus' prayer life, God answer all his prayers except for one. You find this unanswered prayer in the Synoptic Gospel. Matthew chapter twenty six, verse thirty nine, Mark chapter fourteen, verse thirty six, Luke chapter twenty two, verse forty two, John eighteen, verse twenty seven. All record the only account when God the Father did not answer his prayer. You can turn there, Miss Carol. <laughs> you can turn to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 through 42. This is it's interesting, right? Three times. Jesus asked three times for the Father to remove the burden of going to the cross. But God did not permit his prayer. He did not answer his prayer. Why? Jesus was speaking from his humanity, true enough. But at the same time, he understood, like, if it's possible, if it's possible, this is what he said. If it is possible. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. He said, and they went to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took him, took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup. From me get not that get not what I will, but what you will was it possible for God to remove the cup very much so and Jesus knew that he understood that it was possible it could have been something uh, any other way for him not to be crucified for our sins in the manner in which he died. I tell you, beloved, it was predestined for Christ to die in that manner. It was according to God's sovereign will for Christ to die in the manner in which he did. As we have just read, he prayed, he asked three times, asking if it's possible for God the Father to remove the cup from him. But he knew, and God the Father knew as well. And the manner that God has decreed beforehand was going to play out in his life. This is what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says. It was predestined for Christ Jesus to die for us. God the Father chose us in Christ before the foundations of the world. Therefore Christ Jesus was destined to die for sinful people like you and me and Akron and the world. Do you see the implications of Christ's prayer here? Do you see how God's sovereignty can override or not, in a certain way, permit our prayers? So I ask, when you pray, what is the intent of your prayer? Are you praying from a worldly perspective? When you pray to God, are you in sin? As we have learned from Saul, he would not answer your prayers if you're sinning against him. When you pray, are you are you praying? Are you being the person that, have, that, is, that is full of faith? Are you faithful to him in your prayer life? And lastly, do we understand that the sovereignty of God will always play out despite how we pray or what we pray to God? Amen? Amen. It is 1245. Not too bad. All right. um, Let me pray for us. And as I pray, I'm going to pray over the offering. The ushers can come up. And we go from there. Our Father, I thank you for your written word. And I do ask you that you impress upon my heart and the hearts of others that we should have good priorities when we approach your throne. And I believe that we do. As you have heard the voices of your people today, that they are praying for their city. They're praying for unsaved people. They're praying that you intervene on the behalf of others. I believe that their intentions are true and honorable. And I believe that you see what they're actually saying to you. So Lord, I ask you that you will answer their prayers. And for those who are in sin, I pray that you will convict them of their sins. And those who are faithlessness or unfaithful, I pray that you, that you will admonish them. So, Lord, we come before your throne and we ask you in Christ's name. And I also pray for the offering that we're about to give. And we are doing this out of faith and not out of selfishness. And we pray that you will increase what we're giving. Pray this in your son's name. Amen.